0: It's Tennessee Titans stock. I, I don't know. We haven't had too many experiences like Sunday. I know this team has been up and down over the years. I just felt like the energy from that team you could before that kicked off. We obviously know Jags win for the first time in a while in Nashville. I mean, honestly, how do you feel about this team overall?
1: I don't feel good. We are obviously one of the teams trending down. Everybody thinks it's a foregone conclusion. We make the playoffs and maybe it is, but. You know, the, making the playoffs doesn't mean anything if you're going to just instantly so be so you'd bounced just, out. It'd be the back end of all back ends, too. Uh, yeah. Yuck. I mean, last year, I feel like we backed in at 12-5, and five and we were the one seed, but we kind of limped in, and, yeah. you know, I feel even worse about it this year.
0: I'm going to try to explain this. I don't know. I bet you can help me kind of fill in uh, the blanks of this big fellow. but, like, I care about this team. I'm always going to go to these games. I love to do this podcast. I'm not saying that I'm – off the bandwagon or anything. That is not what I mean. But this iteration of this team specifically, where we are and just everything that's happened, firing John Robertson, we traded AJ Brown for the season, stupid LeJuan didn't even make it to the season barely. It's like, you know, the play calling. I, I am genuinely apathetic about this team. And that's coming, I, you guys all know, I'm a huge Titans fan, but I just, there's been times after a loss where I've left, like imagine the Ravens four years ago, we were just mad and we left. Like I, I found myself like not really caring Sunday I was like it's just maybe it's that the division is bad and all the stuff that I mentioned do you fight apathy here because it's like do I even care
1: <sighs> yeah it's hard I mean when you lose to a team in the Jaguars who hasn't won in Nashville since 2013 it's pretty deflating and you know, we're a cash poor team, and our best talent is not on the field. Some of our best players are, are very hampered by injury, and you can see that with the likes of Jeff Simmons kind of not being a force out there to be reckoned with because he's injured. And our offensive line, I mean, you know, it's there aren't a lot of things to be excited about. Um, you can be excited about Traylon Burks. When he randomly is on the field, outside of that, there's not a whole lot to get pumped about. And that is a really crappy feeling. And obviously, John Robinson was fired for a reason, and we are we're living that reason because our roster is not competitive we don't have the depth we don't have the players the players we do have are injured and we're looking at an uncertain future of our stars that we may not be able to pay so it's it's hard to get excited
0: john do you think going to los angeles and beating the chargers i mean that would think that would help with the apathy but everything that you said and i said i think is still true but i think it does make sunday a really big Bounce back, not just for the team. I think for this fan base, because it's just been—you know—how long can you watch a vanilla offense like Landon Fake loves the Lions, right? Mm-hmm. They're fun. I mean, they—they they they, are very. They have, fun. they have a way worse record. This—they're fun. We've been good, and you know, kind of hard to watch. Is that a? Is that really a factor? That sounds like a very fan thing to say, but I do think style matters when it when you're this far into a very long season.
1: Style does matter and like we've always talked about, the not for long league and the NFL is always a what have you done for me lately league and lately we've been stinking it up all over the place. I mean, if you look at our, you know, our losses they get worse and worse as each week goes on. I mean we thought we hit rock bottom when we lost in week two to the bills and who know we'd be who knew we'd be here in uh, week 14 losing to the jags and decidedly if we uh, you know we've dropped three in a row, which is the most we've ever lost in of v- the Vrabel era if we lo- and we've never lost four in a row in the Vrabel era. So if we don't rebound on Sunday, Really, it's pretty bleak and and grim.
0: The Chargers are not a complete team either. I think they have a lot of top-heavy talent, and they don't have the depth. And I think we're the opposite type of team. And I think we're always ready to play, and as Landon says, punch above our weight. But we are lacking the missiles. We are lacking the punch, for sure. And that is mostly self-inflicted.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, for the last five years, our punch has been Derrick Henry. And if he can't get going we don't have a punch. You know, it was A.J. Brown where we were able to do that, and he's clearly gone, and we don't have his replacement on the field with Burks because of concussions. I mean, don't get me wrong, he, he shows moments of brilliance and flashes, but he hasn't been able to put it together consistently. He showed signs of maybe he could do it, and then, you know, that unfortunate touchdown catch slash concussion hit, which was per- dirty, by the way, and he, he hadn't been suspended or, or fined. It, it, it did, and that, that's the kind of stuff that NFL is trying to eliminate but you know here we are and taking it very very cautious with burks but but yeah i mean it's hard to get excited and especially with like you're talking about the chargers they are not a complete team but the one thing they do really well is throwing the football and the one thing we really can't defend against is you know the is teams throwing the football and and scoring points and you know, beating us in a race, and that is what I'm terrified about on Sunday because we just saw Mike Williams come back this weekend, and he had a huge game. I think he had 115 yards and a touchdown. And you know, they've got Keenan Allen, they've Palmer, they've got DeAndre Carter, they've got that little Mighty Mouse in the backfield of Austin Eckler, Austin yeah, Eckler, and he on. could he could have a field day with us.
0: Yeah, I think with us, especially because he's so good at getting behind that first pursuit. They're very beatable. They're 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 the Chargers, but it, it just kind of hard to believe yeah well it's hard to believe that we'd lose four in a row but that's a long way to go after three losses and especially with all of our injuries we'll talk about that a little later but back to the burks thing i love your point in the nfl rookies do make an impact. We have seen that. At skill positions, it's it's a little more rare and a little more kind of historically not, but in the last generation, yes. But if a team is depending on a rookie for production, mm-hmm. that almost always is a disaster. Like you think about Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he's sort of thrown into that and they ask him to do very little, right? Right. We're not asking Burks to do very little. We're asking him to be the best receiver on the field. That was unwise. And he's of course had injuries and put himself in a bad position. He plays for the Titans, so of course he's going to be injured. And I wish I was joking about that. Mm -hmm. We have a terrible injury track record over the last three years. At this point, it's not just an accident. There is a sample size to say. There is something, and it could be a hundred different things. You've had some good guesses in the past, big fella. It could be a hundred different things, but it's something that they're not doing or doing. And uh, because the, the injury thing and the number of players we're going to have to use again is going to be close to an NFL record there's a problem. So we didn't set Traylon Burks up in any way to be physically prepared. We didn't set him up with the scheme, of course, and we didn't give him any buffer. Watching this team last year and this year, it is very apparent to me that A.J. Brown was one of the best offensive linemen on this team because that extra guy that is there now in the box, he couldn't be there with A.J. Brown just because of the threat. Even when he had two or three catches, they, they had to be more honest, and he was... Man, he was like a lifeguard out there to keep Derrick Henry from drowning. But Derrick Henry does not yep. have that lifeguard, is in Philly now. It is so apparent, and the vanilla play calling doesn't help, but we had that last year. Our offensive line stinks this year. It stunk last year. They figured out how to go 12-5 and five last year. I don't think anybody in that building or anybody that made the decision had any idea what they sent to Philadelphia.
1: Uh, I, I think they knew. I think they, they were trying to mitigate what would happen with Burks, and they weren't really concerned about it. They figured, oh, well, we're going to draft a first-round first round wide receiver, and apparently, according to Mike Keith, they only pulled off the A.J. Brown trade when they saw that Burks was available at the Eagles pick, and had Burks not been there, they wouldn't have done it. Now, I think that's, you know, we can draw a lot of lines and stuff and make some assumptions i don't necessarily know if i believe that but they're not stupid i mean a.j brown if
0: landon peden who was 19 years old if he was the (laughs) general manager and i mean this honestly we would have we would have given a.j brown 25 million a year and we would have signed christian watson because we still needed another receiver yeah so instead of going in with one rookie we would have had a fourth year player and a rookie because at our original pick that we would have kept watson would have been there it so it doesn't seem like rocket science. I mean, because the players were there and the money was there and we were going to let them see because there was a decent track record. But now it has imploded our season because it looks like we'd still be complaining about our play calling. We'd still be complaining about our injuries, but they had no idea. They threw away their crutch. They absolutely threw it away for the 18th pick. That's nothing. Everybody else got way more value for older more expensive players
1: oh for sure i mean we've seen typically when people trade away stars like aj brown it's multiple first round picks like like i said to you guys when we did that live podcast i'm in the middle of a a field in disney world screaming my head off where is the rest of the value where where's dallas goddard where are the extra picks No, it was like bare bones trade to get rid of him. And you can just like mm. you can tell that J-Rob was exacerbated with the ongoing extension talks. And he kind of hit a wall and, you know, that's him trying to be cheap. And then uh, he pulled the trigger and you saw... On in the draft room, he saw Vrabel get up and walk out of the room, pissed off. Yeah, I mean, I, I know clearly it's
0: 2020. but yeah. yeah, you're right. But I, I think when ego gets involved in front office or coaches at this level, problems happen. And I think that he wasn't willing to do his job. Your job is to put up with egotistical agents your job is to muddle through that and kiss a little butt and make it work and you you make that work and he was like well they didn't answer our phone for two weeks i think that's how the job works right well and like john robinson we don't know the whole story but it seems like arrogance got him into this mess like if you have a good player you keep him unless he is and we know that aj brown showed up ready to play we know other players liked him was he immature read his twitter was he ready to play Yes. You unless well, he's is issue too, like, like that or he's a problem uh, off the field, you make it work with him. And they they didn't show the willingness. I think that was arrogant. If you got a good player, you keep him. If you got the only good player at a position you've had that you've homegrown really pretty much since we've been here, um we've had some we've had some good receivers, but we never had anybody with that kind of talent or potential. All the other guys that we've had, they're all self-made, you know. And that guy was more than self-made. It just seems so Oh man, because now that's I, I guess I mentioned this again because I think it comes back to the apathy. We've had some seasons like this. We've had some stretches like this, but it's still like, whoa, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, in, in just one play, you can see something fun. That's not on the table anymore. Derrick Henry is trying, and he's not much off of his best. I mean, but what can he do? And I really think that they threw Derrick Henry in the deep end of the pool by jettisoning the only other truly great athlete on this team on that side of the field.
1: You know, the big thing about the A.J. Brown trade that really gets me is that at the end of the day, it all came down to money. J. Rob wanted to be cheap. He had the authority to offer him 25 million plus per year, and he didn't. He, he lowballed him with 16 and I think probably two incentives to get him to 18. Unfortunately, with the offseason that had happened with Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, I think Stephon Diggs had a new deal. Then we saw Terry McLaurin. We saw Chris, Christian Kirk. Listen, let's let's—he's the outlier. But we saw DK Metcalf, and unfortunately for this team and for J. Rob, that's what it costs to have an elite receiver in this league. And you know, kind of like what you said, they did throw Derrick Henry in the deep end of the pool by letting AJ Brown—you know—by trading him to the Eagles. I mean. <laughs> A.J. was an incredible receiver. He was an incredible blocker. He was a big physical presence. You take that away because you don't want to pay him. And then you fo- you, you kind of, don't get me wrong, Derek Henry is an, an incredible player. But when you throw him under a microscope against a loaded box every single game where he's getting in our subpar op- offensive line, it's no wonder why we look like what we do right now. We are not prepared. We weren't prepared. We didn't have a, a contingency plan. It was going to be Burks. Burks hasn't panned out the way we wanted to. Sure, he shows flashes, like I said earlier, but he's not A.J. Brown. He's not a top-five receiver, which is what A.J. Brown is. I mean, A.J. Brown, this year, on 65 catches, has 10, 10 touchdowns and 1,000 000- Oh, 1,020 receiving yards. I mean, he's got 16 catches for 20 plus yards. I don't think we have many players that have, you know, more than three or five plays above 20 yards outside of Derrick Henry. I mean, we just traded a gigantic, uh, a a gigantic playing card in our hand and uh, there's no way to get that back. And that's just like mind boggling to me when we have that and we let it walk. Uh, and uh, the other thing too, like I remember during the off season, a lot of people wanted to talk. I think we even mentioned it, but about Robert Woods and his ability to be a, a blocking receiver. The guy is five nine. He's not AJ Brown. He's not going to help out Derek Henry. What are we like, thinking? Yeah, I don't like. We, yeah. I don't know that either. We we tend to do
0: that. It, we got so to a bill yeah. of goods that we were going to have some reinforcements in that receiving room is just under man from the start Uh, sure it just seems so crazy that they would end the season with that and like i said before to put burks in that position oh yeah not why would they do that
1: not fair not fair to burks not fair to the team and you know i'm not saying he's He's cracking under pressure because when he has played, he's looked electric, but he hasn't played a whole lot. And that's just the part that really bothers me. I mean, he went on IR and then he came back and he had two great games and then he was concussed. And now he's been out for two more games. And it's just like, okay, he's probably not going to play in this game, which is mind boggling to me as well. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to be a Titans fan, you know, even when we have a couple good years, I mean, 19, 20, 21 and. Then here we are. Like in this rough purgatory where we can't really figure out what the future is going to look like, and it just isn't good.
0: Yeah, I think football purgatory is is what I'm feeling. It's what making me feel sort of apathetic, and it's a surprise to feel that walking out. It's like, do I care? I always <laughs> care. Yeah, big fella, we're a three point underdog all the way out in Los Angeles. Does that surprise you that number so low after the showing we had Sunday here at home?
1: Um, I was just looking at an updated line. It said point and a half, but I could be looking at the wrong line. But regard regardless we're going to be an underdog and i've always told you and lan i've told everybody i know when you have a team that has to travel out west with the time change and different you know different game time it's always something and i don't think any team traveling out west should ever be a favorite so it makes sense to me why uh, that we would we would be dogs hopefully the Chargers find a way to blow this game like they've blown quite a few others this season. But I don't really feel confident in our ability to put together a game. I mean, I hope that we can right the ship. And normally we usually, you know, recover after losing a game or two. And that's what we've come to know as a variable team. But man, I'm not feeling good about it. Yeah, it's always
0: hard to figure the chargers it's hard to figure us going out west is it just seems like like you said nobody would be favored really they have a lot to play for still they're hanging in there uh we have a lot to play for now we we really only have a game really on jackson before it got really serious so what are the biggest keys for you what, what are the strengths of the chargers how do our strengths strengths and weaknesses kind of pair up with them is the matchup i mean all things being equal does the matchup favor us at all i know you talked about Eckler. we all know about it herbert he hasn't had a great season because i don't think he has a ton of support or a great offensive line i know they had some injuries on the line uh they're a frustrating team as well they have ton of talent what do you think this game comes down
1: to I think this game comes down to keeping their offense off the field. So I think we're going to have to use our strength, which is our running game and exploit one of their weaknesses, which is their run defense. And we have to play a slow game and keep Herbert off the field because like I was mentioned earlier, their strength is their passing game. And that is somewhere that is an incredible weakness for us. And it's looking like we're not going to have Christian Fulton again. So our best corner is not going to be on the field. And we know McCreary and his short arms, I mean, he's not going to be able to defend against Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or uh, Josh Palmer, any of any of those guys. I mean, maybe, maybe his little arms can wrap up Austin Eckler, but he's a tough dude to wrap up. So I think if we have any shot to win, we have to play sound defense and we have to run the ball All day long. Like I was saying earlier, you got to give Derrick Henry 30 carries. You know, it's like, it's like Novocaine. You keep doing it, it's eventually going to work. That's my key impossibility of winning the game. If we don't do that, it can be an ugly day for us. And we'll be coming home with some lumps.
0: So do you, you mentioned Jacksonville earlier. I mean, do you still feel comfortable? We'll have, have the division host that home game. What's the scenario for you where we, where we don't come away with it as far as both teams next four games?
1: Whew. I don't feel as comfortable as I did a week and a half ago. I'll tell you that much for sure. Jacksonville, they played some really good football, and I mean, they beat the Ravens in a close one. And I know it's the Ravens, and you know they may not be what they used to be, but they still have a hell of a defense. They still have had Lamar Jackson at that point, and they beat him by one by going for two. It was a really ballsy move, and they did it, and they won a really tough ball game. I mean, then they went to Detroit and got smoked, but then. They rebounded. They came here and they won in a place that they hadn't won for nine years. So I think Jacksonville is nobody to take lightly. And I think they have, they have the Cowboys in Jacksonville this weekend. So definitely not an easy game for them, but the Cowboys have looked fallible. They almost, they almost lost it to Houston this past weekend. So anything can happen. And I really get nervous uh, about the Jags and if they catch fire, and I'm looking a week ahead now, so they have Dallas at home, and then they go to the Jets for Thursday Night Football the following week, so at least least they have a tough game, and then they have a short turnaround time, so they might be in some trouble there, but then I think they play the Texans again. Where are they? Yeah, they, they play in Houston the following week, and then they get us, and that, that last game could be for the division. I mean, the Jaguars are 5-8. and eight. That sounds terrible when you think about it, but we're only 7-6, and six, so they're right in the thick of this thing. I mean, we're not the, the NFC South, but we're not far from it.
0: I think the big thing for me is Jacksonville has if they lose their fan base, I mean, they're used to it. I mean, that sounds weird, but and they're kind of building up, right? they got young players, got a new coach. We had expectations, right, whether we should have or not. Jacksonville is playing with house money, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. They, I think that does matter when you come down to, to the end here of a season. They have the mental advantage for sure. Uh, we gave that away when we lost Sunday to a team we definitely should have beaten. I know they have they have a tough game this weekend moving forward but I, I'm like you sort of sort of expect us to
1: find a way but
0: we've lost three in a row
1: yeah and that's real I mean I've been on teams where we've lost <laughs> one of my uh, when I was in thinking when I was a sophomore in high school we lost every single game after a couple. after the first couple losses you get in these games and you're like maybe we can win and then the game starts and you're like nah can't do it and it's just defeating. You, you, you don't feel good about starting a game. You don't feel good about traveling to a game. You don't feel good about it during your warmups. Nothing feels good. So it's a very, very, very slippery slope. And hopefully we can rebound. I mean, this game was atrocious. We looked horrible. We looked horrible against Philly when those kind of losses stack up as opposed to like the loss in Kansas City where it went to overtime and we felt good about that and that we were competitive. These is, this is different, and I, I really hope that Vrabel can ready the troops, and we can get some guys back, and we can put together a competitive game plan, which will hopefully allow us to turn things around, and it could start right here. I mean, we could easily run the table and win four in a row, and then we're kind of not having this conversation about the despair. But we could easily just drop two out of these four, or three out of the four, and totally miss the boat on the playoffs. It's just such a weird place to be in as a Titans fan because we've over the last three years we've grown accustomed to having a dangerous team, and you know being able to to throw our weight around rather than punching above our weight, as Landon always refers to it. So it's just so slippery and so dangerous.
0: Is there a certain player? We don't watch the Chargers all the time. Is there a Charger you think we'll know a little bit more about Sunday, like the average Titans fans? Is there somebody you're really looking out for?
1: I'm curious just to watch a full game of Austin Eckler. I know he's been good and, you know, he's a fantasy darling, but – I just want to see what he really has, like his his escapability and his ability to make something out of nothing, which it's there for sure. We've seen, you know, the highlights on Red Zone. We've seen him do this stuff. And I'm curious to see just how he stacks up against our guys, because I think, like we talked about, he could have a big day if we don't keep him contained. And especially like we've talked about all season, Bud Dupree is finally healthy, but he crashes so hard. He loses all sense of contain. And that is so dangerous with a guy like this. And then on the other end, you've got Rashad Weaver, which he's played really well, but an inexperienced player like that is going to not fully understand the whole contain game. So I just worry about him getting on the outside and, you know, making us pay for it and doing it frequently. So that's something I'm going to have my eye out for. So I don't know. What, what are you what are you thinking? What are you looking toward?
0: I don't know. I, I mentioned the depth uh, of this team and I think you know when you lose three in a row, you lose a, against a bad team at home, it's hard to imagine like a path to victory. I want to see I mean I want to see Herbert. I mean we all know Herbert's good. We know that he hasn't been as good this year. I just want to see him against our team so I can really take the time. I don't watch the, like every minute of a- AFC West football. That's what's fun about playing these other teams. I want to see what Herbert's all about. Yeah. Landon joins us now. Landon what charger that maybe is a household name are you looking forward to most to seeing or maybe dreading seeing the most sunday
2: How- <clears throat> I would say after this past week, it would have to be Gerald Everett because Evan Ingram suddenly turned into prime Tony Gonzalez on us and he's got a better quarterback. He's got better weapons around him that we'd also have to worry about. I mean, Everett isn't as explosive as Ingram, but he's more consistent. He's been better this year. And Herbert's a better quarterback. They've got... He's the number four guy. He Actually, he's the number five guy because Eckler is so amazing. We have to throw all these resources to everyone else. He's going to be wide open over the middle. I mean, David Long isn't coming back in anytime soon. Our safeties can only do so much. Our cornerbacks are going to have our hands full with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, not to mention Josh Palmer. So ever it's probably going to have a big day and it's going to suck, but I am interested in seeing Herbert. A lot of his struggles this year have been all of his weapons being banged up, plus Rashawn Slater's missed pretty much the whole year. So I'm happy to see him for a full game instead of just catching some snippets and highlights, but I am not looking forward to him carving us up because he's been on a roll this past couple weeks since Mike Williams and Keenan Allen both got healthy. They throw the ball a million times a game, and that's our weakness, and we saw last week what can happen. We're facing a better offense across the board, a better passing offense. We have to go to their stadium. It's, I don't think it's gonna be a very pretty day for us.
1: Man, tell us how you really feel. (laughs) No, I agree with everything you just said. We've been talking about it for a bit and Eckler could really hurt us and their offensive game plan and their ability to throw the ball can really be our downfall and Really, the big key, I was saying earlier, the big key to the game for me is to keep their offense off the field. Let Henry run it 35 times a game. Yeah, I was
2: looking through their stats, and they aren't that good of a rushing team. Like, they're not bad, but they don't do it a ton. Just because so much of their rushing game is just baked into just dumping it off to Eckler and that functioning as a run, essentially. But Mm -hmm. the difference is... We're not good at guarding those kinds of plays. We are good at guarding traditional running plays. That's circumventing our greatest strength and attacking our greatest weakness. I would like to think that we would just use Derrick Henry, but then again, last week, Derrick Henry should have pushed for the rushing title, or he should have pushed for the single-game rushing record, and he disappeared after the first quarter because Todd Downing is a joke. (laughs) I think, I believe Scott Hanson in Red Zone said Henry had two, had two net yards rushing in the second half which is just pathetic
1: yep after having 96 in the first quarter it's absurd
2: and i was keeping track of it he didn't get his first rush attempt in the in the second quarter until three minutes left when we were going down for that two minute drill so you've got a guy who's on pace for over 300 yards who's looking awesome all over the place he he gets frozen out pretty much the whole second quarter and then the Jags have that long drive into halftime they take up half the third quarter to score again and at that point our offense has been off the field probably 45 50 minutes of real time and just the offense is out of sync in that very first play you can just tell just the feeling of the crowd the players it's not going anywhere and it's a one-yard run the only time jeff swain does anything he gets called for a 15-yard penalty <laughs> it's over they go down they score again the next drive this it's the same pathetic pathetic stuff we go three and out again and the game's over yep. and Derry texted us. He said, I, oh, I'm not looking forward to the second half offense. And it was as expected. It was, they tried out there the first quarter. They look amazing. Second quarter is some dumb turnovers. Third quarter, you're just holding your breath, hoping that just something catastrophic doesn't happen.
1: Yep, it's Titans football.
0: Landon, do you have a certain sense of how this is going to go Sunday?
2: Not well. Not well at all because, I mean, maybe we rested, played safe with Fulton. Because it was the Jags and we should have beaten them. But I mean, just to play one of the best passing offenses in the NFL, one of the best quarterbacks with his full quartet of weapons on the road when you, when you've lost all momentum and you're in a downward spiral, it's not going to shape up well. And there's really no way that it's not like, I don't think Autry is going to come back this week. So our pass rush, which has one sack in, I believe, the last three games. The pass rushes isn't going to suddenly come back to life, especially, especially with how many coverage defenders we have missing games. So Herbert, the Chargers have been happy just to dink and dunk and throw it a million times for six yards and attempt. They're going to do that. We have no way of stopping them. And our offense isn't built for a shootout. And our play calling and second half doesn't give me any hope that we can use a ball control offense because in the second half, we can't do anything. And even when Henry is having a good game, we still just do something else for no reason just because... Todd Downing likes to eat crayons.
1: (laughs) Well, one thing I do want to respond to that is it sounds like Autry may be back. He practiced today. So I'm hopeful that he will be on the field if he's up to if if he's feeling 100% or at least close to it. Because we've seen a difference when he's been off the field. Fulton, we haven't gotten into the injury stuff yet, but Fulton did not practice again today. I'm feeling less likely like he is going to... I don't think he's going to play on Sunday, and I think it's going to just be big trouble. We talked about McCreary and his small arms and how that doesn't match up well against uh, their gigantic receivers like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and um, Josh Palmer. I'm, I'm just really thankful that the Jags choked so many early games in the
2: season. Otherwise this end of the season playoff push would be even more nauseating to watch because right now they have to be one game better than us over the next three games before our week 18 rematch if they're one win better that game is for the division if they hadn't lost to the Texans if they hadn't given the Texans that one win that they have on the season they would just have to be the same down the stretch so they would just have to be the Texans we would have to be the Texans and other than that we play in the worst division in the, in the AFC second worst division behind the NFC South and it's I, I just keep talking about every week, we're going to fall ass backwards into a playoff spot. And I'm not excited for that at all. I mean, I'm happy. Hopefully, we extend the winning record season streak. We extend the division streak. But if the Bengals or the Dolphins come to town, it's not like, well, we've got a shot. Maybe we'll get an upset. It's like, well, if that 5% outcome goes our way, we'll pull off an upset win. But there's nothing to be excited about.
0: Big fellow Landon, y'all tell me what you do know. I know the final information isn't out. Who are your best guesses? I know we've mentioned some already about who we won't see because of injury. For- for both teams.
1: Well, I as I mentioned earlier, Danico Autry, he was a limited participant today, um after being on IR for the past 4 week, 4 or 5 weeks. I think it's been 5 5. Um but he's eligible to return and you know, they've opened the 21 21 day window to activate him. I'd like to think we would and he's working his way back. We saw today that they've also opened up the 21 day window for linebacker Zach Cunningham, which he has, he's really needed right now, as we talked about, because David Long is not. Going to be able to play since he's on IR. So getting those those two guys back on defense will be really big. Um, Landon, I haven't heard much about Fulton or Burks. Have you heard anything? I've
2: only seen that Burks is still working through concussion protocol. I don't think he'll play this week. Just because yes. that hit was pretty nasty, and if he's still having to work through the concussion protocol, like with Mixon, from my understanding, like he was displaying minor symptoms, so he missed a whole week of practice. He missed our game. And then the, fir- the very next week, he was like a limited participant the, f- the Wednesday. So Burks mm-hmm. was a DMP. so he- we probably won't see him. Fulton, that groin injury, the soft tissue stuff, and he's always had those issues. I will not think we'll see him. I don't think we'll see Hilliard. That neck injury seemed really scary. He was down for a long time.
1: Yeah, he was a DMP today, and I-, I think they've already ruled him out for sure. So yeah, he definitely won't be playing. So
2: Trey Avery should be back because he was limited today. So, same thing with Burke's concussion. But if he's limited to start the week, that makes me feel a lot better about him getting out of the protocol. So, we'll have Trey Avery back, which is something, which is, it's better than Trey nothing. Trey Avery's
0: been good.
1: He's been good. But if you would have asked me in the offseason if we were if it were going to be a good sign that we'd be sitting here in Week 15 talking about Trey Avery hopefully playing, I would have said you were on drugs.
0: i never heard of him before this. <laughs> no. Hey, if you just watch him on the field, he's they don't put him in great positions, but um, and then, he's, yeah. he, he's gutsy
2: out there. And then for the Chargers, the only guy in question is Derwin, Dan- Derwin James. They haven't opened the, win- the return window for Joey Bosa or-, or Slater, so we won't have to worry about those guys, thankfully. And then James... I would lean towards him being out. I don't know the full extent of his injury, but he was a DMP today. So I would lean towards him being out, but other than that, they're fully healthy, other than the guys that they've been missing all year. So Mike Williams is back, Keenan Allen's back. I mean, they're as healthy as they can be. They looked really good on Sunday night against a far superior offense than ours. Once again, the story of the past two years for the Titans, we're super banged up. We're missing a lot of guys. The injury report is a mile long. And then the other team, it is missing a couple guys, but not nearly as many as us. At least I will say the quality that the Chargers are missing does at least kind of shorten the gap because Slater is awesome. Boast is awesome. Derwin James is awesome. But other than that, like the past couple, the past month when the injuries have really started to pile up, it's like the Chiefs game. Oh, they're missing their backup tight end. The Jags were missing their third linebacker. The Bengals were missing Mixon. And then with us, it's like, oh, we're missing. These five stars and this backup and this this backup's banged up and Jeffrey Simmons is hurt and it isn't at hundred percent and all this stuff. So I mean it's it's nothing new. We know what it is. We're short handed. We have to go cross country to play a really good offense that matches up with our weaknesses. The only advantage we have is that they have no fan base, so there won't be <laughs> that road environment for us to deal with
0: that's a shame but it, it is gonna help us i think um this weekend for sure because if you go up and play in seattle or san francisco it is definitely something to deal with let's turn our attention guys to the rest of the nfl what stands out to you this weekend besides our game we have an afternoon game so we'll get to watch these noon games big fella we'll start with you what jumps out to you
1: Hmm, we're starting to get to that time where it can clinch divisions and clinch playoff spots um i think the The Ravens at the Browns is always interesting to me, just being in division. Another one that's really going to be interesting is we've got the Dolphins at the Bills. That's another in division contest. And, you know, we saw Buffalo in Miami earlier this season, and the heat kind of got to them, and they kind of wilted and and died and lost. There's supposed to be super bad weather up in Buffalo this weekend. Oh, yeah. I mean, Buffalo in December ever. Like, I don't think anybody well, I've, I've chooses to go there. I've people say
2: that. It's, so it's, this is the five-year anniversary of when they played that, that blizzard game against the Colts in the snow forever ago. And they're saying it's going to be similar weather, just like gross, just piles of snow. Miami has sucked in Buffalo forever. Yeah. And I think, especially with how their offense is built on speed and big plays, like Buffalo is just going let to that, let that snow pile up and just let the field be gross and disgusting.
1: Miami, not a cold weather team. Ever.
0: no, They they do poorly in the cold weather. They always have to go in cold weather because they play in the AFC East. But beyond that, I think we're seeing the Tua unraveling. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think a lot of his stats have come when he's been chucking it and he's had some good moments. But I think in the last month of the season, I think we're going to see a different Tua.
1: Would you take Tua over Tannehill? Mm-hmm. Um...
2: He, he Tua has definitely played better this year and he's played amazingly but he's in such a better situation that I feel like Tannehill couldn't do the quick passing that stuff over the middle because he's a half step slow on those on the processing but other than that I feel like there's not really anything Tua does that Tannehill doesn't and obviously Tannehill's working with a much worse situation and weapons and everything so I guess in a vacuum I would take Tua slightly just because I do think that advantage in the processing and that stuff for the middle is valuable. But other than that, I mean, Tannehill has played pretty much as well as he's played as a Titan. It's just hard to decipher, or it's hard to see because He's got no one to throw to, and he's always getting sacks, so the raw stats look really bad. True. I mean, Dolphins-Bills, I want it to be interesting, but it probably won't be just with the weather being disgusting. And Miami just, it seems like this will be the third year in a row that they kind of stumble down the stretch. And then the Sunday, then the noon slate doesn't really have any good noon games. Actually, it doesn't have, actually there's one, there's one good noon game, which is Lions at the (laughs) Jets. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is an interesting game, though. It is. Oh yeah, it's the only game that has any interest because like Falcons, Saints is, the winner is technically still alive for the playoffs, but it's like it's two blood teams. Other than that, it's just like a bunch of, it's either like the Cowboys against the Jags, which could maybe be interesting since the Cowboys almost lost to the Texans. and than that, it's like the Eagles and the Bears, the Chiefs and the Texans. It's like all the really good teams playing the crappy teams. Which will be fun for fantasy and red zone, but it's like it's not really interesting. The Lions Jets, I'm really interested in. I think Mike White is gonna play, but he took two brutal shots to the ribs. He's probably got some damage there. Both teams are kind of fighting for their playoff lives right now. They're fighting for that seventh seed in their respective conferences. The Lions are heating up. They got James and Williams back, who looked really good. They're going against what I would argue is the best secondary in the NFL and the Jets, who are an elite defense across the board. So really I really like both teams. I like the Lions more. We all know that I like the Lions more. But I would like to see the Jets make the playoffs. I would like to see both teams make the playoffs. And I'm kind of upset that they have to play each other just because the loser is just in such a hole for their respective playoff push that just kind of sucks because whoever wins i'll be happy for but then the losers like well you kind of need a miracle or to win out to make the playoffs
1: yeah it's unlikely that the loser of that game makes it in yeah
2: then the afternoon slate Bengals bucks is a, little inter- is a little interesting i guess because it's burrow and it's ready for the first time i believe but i mean the bucks aren't that good They're just kind of beating other bad teams. And the Bengals are hot. They're on a roll. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know what the statuses of T. Higgins and Boyd are. Obviously, any team that loses their wide receiver 2 and 3 is going to struggle. They close it out with their defense. They're super hot. They're still in contention for the one seed. They don't even require outside help. So all they have to do is, I believe, so they play the Bills, I believe, in two weeks. If they win that game, they can pretty much control their own destiny because they're one game behind the Chiefs who they have the tiebreaker on. So if the Chiefs lose one more game, The Bengals went out, they would be the one seed. Jerks. I mean, at this point, I can't hate them because it's. Not like they play dirty against us or they got some BS flag against us that ruined our season. It was just they've outplayed us both times, and the blame is solely on us. So it's like, like you can't blame them for just playing well and us self-destructing both times. Oh, I can, and I will. Or you can blame Todd Downing.
1: <laughs> I, I'll also do that.
0: We mentioned earlier the trade of A.J. Brown for 18 and what, 50, or 18? 18, 18,
1: 18 and 80? 18 and
2: 80,
0: yeah. When we so,
1: traded 80 away, away, didn't we, or no?
2: We packaged 80. So the trick, we packaged 80 and 26 for like 35 and 62 or 63. So it's like our late first and our late mid third for a very early second and a very early third
0: let's get out of here on this and maybe make us feel a little bit better that we talked a lot in the beginning of this episode how that was a dumb decision it wasn't i don't think even near the dumbest decision made in the offseason so let's rank them to make ourselves feel better where does trading aj brown for a first and third round pick because you didn't want to pay him 25 million dollars and he was really the kind of the centerpiece of keeping derrick henry afloat where does that rank because i know offenses are down but there were a lot of decisions made. Let's rank them. Y'all give me your, your top one or your top three or where the Berks one ranks. I would volunteer, not trading for Russell Wilson, that was dumb, but giving him $240 million. I think giving, what, three first round picks, for Deshaun Watson is really dumb. I think uh, when they re-signed Rodgers, who's almost as old as me, gave him all that money. I could keep going. What are some of the other ones I didn't mention, and what do you think is kind of the crown jewel of dump? Because I think more than any other offseason I can remember, people went all in on offensive players and, oh, and older quarterbacks, and for the most part,
2: it has been a disaster. I think you were right that the biggest one has to be paying Russell Wilson, because he was under contract for two more years, and obviously he's not going to walk because you can franchise tag him or you would just pay him later on at least with Rodgers you can say well he was the he's the reigning back-to-back MVP and at the time we didn't know they were just going to get rid of Adams so it's pretty much they're just going to run back the same team that had gone that had won 13 games three straight years had been the one seed back to back years had the back-to-back MVP it was risky but we'd also seen like Brady was awesome into his 40s Rodgers had been playing better than Brady had at that same age, so I don't think there was any issue with that. The problem was, they traded Adams, who was really the thing that made their offense work, and then they're shocked that the offense kind of fell apart when they have a bunch of wide receiver twos and young rookies. So that would have to be the biggest one. Hiring Nathaniel Hackett has to be up there. <laughs> because at least with some of the options, like the trade for Russell Wilson has worked out really poorly, and they're going to end up trading like a top five, top three pick for him, which is just disgusting. But at least it's like, oh, Russell Wilson. The past two years, when he was healthy, was playing out of his mind. He was super hot. He was a top five quarterback. You can justify that. Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, from his very first game, it was obvious that he was a coaching bust. And just every week, there is something that reaffirms the fact. And if they had lost to the Jags in London, he would have been fired. They beat a bad team. They lost a bunch of close games. They beat him in a close game in London when things can get a little weird. That's the only reason he still has a job. He's supposed to be this offensive mind, and there has been nothing good about that team. It's been offensive, but not in the way you would like it to. And their offensive line has been super injured, and their receivers have been injured. But other teams have had to deal with that, and they at least look competent, and they're trying to, and they're getting something done. The Broncos just look out of whack. They've got nothing going for them on the coaching side of things, and when Everyone, literally everyone is calling for his head. Even the first like two months of the season, you know that's just an awful move because there have been bad coaching hires, but generally it's like, oh, well, he's new, or he's made some bad decisions, but he's had some good moments. But it's like when it's the first eight weeks and everyone's like, no, Nathaniel Hackett sucks. They got to fire him. You know, it was a bad
1: move. I was just saying, I think one of the dumbest moves that I've ever seen, Jeff Saturday waltzing into a head coaching opportunity in the middle of the season. I think that was so boneheaded. And I was going to say, well,
2: I don't think that's no. dumb.
1: I think it's it was targeted they're trying to tank they're trying to suck
2: and I yeah now picking, I don't think they are I don't yeah, think they are him, I think they did it yeah picking think- him kind of, is kind of weird because it kind of feels like there's some nepotism stuff because he wasn't even involved in the coaching side of things it wasn't like oh he was the offensive line coach and they promoted him and he just happens to be Jeff Saturday no it's like he was a consultant or something and he he's close with Ursa from understanding. so there's kind of that <laughs> element They hired him because they wanted to tank. They want to get as high of a draft pick as possible because they want to get one of the top quarterbacks this year. That was what they did. It was very blunt in its approach and... It's something that you don't really see from the NFL, especially in the midseason, but it worked. I don't think it's dumb. It was just very blatant. And then, so the Burks, the Burks-AJ Brown trade, so it's really AJ Brown for Burks, McCreary, and Petit Freer. And McCreary and Petit Freer haven't done a ton. Petit Freer has actually been pretty bad down the stretch. Burks, I think, at least he's looked good. Now, he had the early injury, and then he got concussed from a dirty... dirty hit, which you can't control. I think that's the saving grace is that Burks has looked really good, and before he got t- before he got injured on a cheap hit, he really opened up the offense. Otherwise, the A.J. Brown trade would be a lot higher, and it sucks that he's been awesome, he's been amazing, he's probably going to push for second-team All-Pro, but at the very least the guy we traded him for has looked really good and has looked like rookie A.J. Brown when he was healthy. Big fellow, if you're an Eagles fan,
0: this offseason was unbelievable because arguably, A.J. Brown trade wasn't even the smartest thing that they did. <laughs> Given the 12th pick to the Saints, who were dumb enough to not realize there was a very good possibility their own pick would be a top 10 pick. They they had three first-round picks. They traded one of them for the Saints pick this year, which could easily be top five.
1: Yeah, trust me. I talk to enough Eagles fans, and I hear it all the time. Every single one of them wants to write me a handwritten thank you note for A.J. Brown and the rest of their offseason. And just, you know, they're... Uh, the Eagles, because they're, you know, the best team in football right now, you hear every, every media outlet talking about them, and rightfully so, and, like, they signed to Namak and Sue. They didn't need him, but they did it anyway. Like, Howie is not afraid to load this team up and go hunting for Bear. They're leading the league in sacks. They're, they're pro- they, I don't know. they like, 20
2: different stats. I saw it Twitter yeah. yesterday. It was, like, it was scoring
1: offensive turnovers
2: so like, good, so, like, least turnovers, most turnovers for us, most sacks, best yards per attempt allowed, most interceptions, just all this stuff. And it's hard to hate the team, I guess, because outside of that dirty hit on Burks, like they've got a bunch of players you can root for and you can like, and they're just an amazingly well-constructed team that is just kind of like the blueprint, because you look across the board, hitting on Hurts and then making the trade for AJ Brown and how they built that offensive line really has just elevated this team, because you, look, you just look at what they've done the past few years and how it all clicks together. They have built pretty much an unimpeachable roster across the board the only thing you can argue is their run defense and with Jordan Davis coming coming back and getting healthy and getting Sue and Linville Joseph that should be good enough because they have the best pass defense in the NFL right now if you're just good enough against the run that's fine because at some point your offense is amazing you're gonna score enough points teams are gonna have to pass on you and when you're the best at forcing turnovers and getting sacks and forcing interceptions that plays into your strengths you mentioned the defensive line, Landon, for the Eagles, big fella. I,
0: I would bet a thousand dollars. I don't bet, but I w- I that pick is going to be no worse than eight. That Saints pick, and Howie Roseman is going to pick the best defensive lineman available, and there are several, and he's going to hit a homer. I just know it. And I mean, if they keep everything together, it's hard in football because of injuries. But we and the New Orleans Saints in one in a one-hour period, we could have set them up for years.
1: Yep. Yeah. I. I, I think. I. I- I honestly think that pick will be a top five, and they'll either take best player available if it fills a need that they feel that they have, which they don't really have one right now, or... They'll trade well, out. Line, like Landon said, they're going to draft... No, they'll draft that kid from Georgia or that kid from
0: Clemson, and he'll be hell on wheels, and they'll be awesome, and they'll have stupid New Orleans to think for it and stupid
2: us. Yeah, very likely. I will say I can hate on Eagles fans because you guys talk about them like being rude and stuff. I'm a lot more involved in like the online side of things, and they do seem to have like this big victim complex about stuff because like people weren't super in on them early on since they had an easy schedule. And just like... I know a couple of them. I'm in a Discord server. Like, there's some like people I've butted heads with over stuff. And It's just like you have the best team in football. You have the best roster in football. You have Hertz, who's probably pushing for MVP right now. You have AJ Brown, who's awesome. You have. A great offensive line when across the league, offensive lines are falling apart. You have an incredibly stacked defense. You have all these things. I would just not care. Like, this isn't college football. It doesn't matter what the media thinks of you. You just, you're awesome. You're good. You're going to be the one seed. You have an easy path to contending for a Super Bowl. You have a super fun team to root for. Just, like, stop Just stop bitching about things that yeah, are incredibly niche and just you're making up stuff because things are so good you have to find something Complain about. Oh, and you're
1: getting they a top so ten good. pick to
2: add to your already stacked it's,
1: roster. It's Philly. Yeah, you've it's got
0: a guy that can reasonably pick pretty well up there. So
1: it's Philly. It's it's an incredibly passionate sports town. Uh, I mean, I've seen it personally for years and years and years, and we've all seen it back when we were there in 2017. They know their sports, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, hockey, you know, they take this stuff very, very seriously. Oh yeah, no, no disrespect to their
2: passion yeah. and their love game. It's just like you don't have to invent reasons to be more excited. Obviously it was different last year since we weren't a juggernaut team. But when we were winning, we were on a roll, like when we won those six straight games against playoff teams and then we got the one seed. I wasn't thinking like, Oh, everyone's downing us. The media, oh they hate us. I hate them. It's like, man, this is <laughs> awesome. We're the one seed. We're Yeah. Getting all these improbable wins, it's fun rooting for this team, that's all I care about. It's like all, like, all that stuff last year about how we're the worst one seed ever is like, okay, I really don't care because it doesn't matter, we're the one seed. You can't re- revoke it because we aren't good enough. We, we earned it it was fun rooting for this team I don't care what everyone else thinks and I just wish more people had that where they just get too invested into what like other fans in the media and the narratives are because at the end of the day unless it's like MVP voting or like award voting when you're like you're rooting for your guy you want to champion his case for the award like, other than that it's just like just can't get invested i just like having fun and watching my team succeed
0: first of all i want to read the transcripts of you and eagles fans on a discord server that would be a hoot uh, i'm sure that gets lively but i agree with both of you that it's the mob that's crazy with the eagles fans i think one-to-one they're really educated fans and they're passionate and they're fun to talk to one-on-one when you get them in a group uh, it, it it can escalate
2: Oh yeah, I
1: think oh, I would say sure. that
2: them and Buffalo are probably like the two like most passionate, invested
1: fan bases across the NFL. <laughs> we, Land, we got to take you to Cleveland.
0: <laughs> a bunch of sorry, passionate fans there. Some some good ones, wow. I think Cleveland is just a giant case of Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> 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 oh man, I wish we had another hour to talk about how Cleveland funny is, it is a lot of it. syndromes. <laughs> that they've lost, too, with uh, with Watson. But, man, uh, that's for another day. Well, that's another week in the books for Tennessee Titans Talk. I need to be the first one to show a little energy and root for this team this weekend. 325 Central. CBS game, right? And uh, Chargers, we'll see how it goes in L.A. Hopefully a lot of two-tone blue out there in the stands. It's going to be fun. Hopefully we'll get back on track. I don't want to see a fourth straight loss. I think freebo will have the guys ready. We'll see what happens. Thanks for being with us. Follow us if you can find us wherever you find podcasts
2: until then tighten up tighten up tighten up